Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. Hello, hello from Florida. <laughs> I'm Katie Papo, and with me is the beautiful Shahar Kovetz, our mindset coach. Um, and my mindset coach, my goodness, especially this past week. <laughs> you guys are catching me in the midst of some major healing and um, it's a lot of work creating healing. A lot of times when our clients talk about working with us, um, they say, you know, should I be only focused on this? Can I make other big life changes like moving or starting a new job at the same time? And the thing is, you can, right? Because you're learning how to, you're learning to have a new relationship with food in any context, right? So it's not like you need to stop your life in order to heal. But when you're doing intensive kind of healing on something or immersive kind of healing, it actually is helpful for that to really be your main focus. So that is the mode that I'm in right now, is I'm in major healing mode. And, <laughs> and it's tiring, man. It's tiring. But it's, it's worth it, and I will continue on. So um, speaking of healing, um, welcome to the podcast where everything we do is all about healing. And um, today we're actually going into part five of a five-part series that we've been doing on invisible blocks. So in other words, the things that you can't really see <laughs> that's, that keep you binging or that stop you from healing and or healing your relationship with food, healing your relationship with yourself. And so, so in the past here, I actually have the list right here of what we've done over the last four weeks. So, um, and these are all available on our podcast, by the way, you can still listen to these. Um, so in part one, we talked about the all or nothing mentality and self-criticism how to overcome those things. Yeah, the all or nothing mentality, that's such a huge part um, of binge eating and, and a big ingredient in overcoming it. Um, in part two, Shahar gave a beautiful talk on overcoming hopelessness, which is just such an important mindset to get into when you're going on anything that you wanna succeed in. Um, and then in part three, we talked about how to rewire negative thinking not necessarily changing to positive thinking in terms of like those empty affirmations that you might have been told to do before, but in terms of productive thinking, thinking that helps you along with your goals. Um, and then in part four, we talked about, which was last week, we talked about weight obsession um, and the scarcity mentality, which those two things are two of the biggest invisible forces that cause uh, urges to binge. So now here we are in part five, we've made it. <laughs> We've made it, and um, what are we talking about this week? We're talking really about a different type of control than what you might be used to in the past. Um, and it's a really important type of control because it's the most empowered type of control that there is. Um, and in order to understand that, we need to understand really the road from the victim mentality to the victor mentality. Um, because when we understand that path, we get to understand a different type of control than what we've been using. So if you've been struggling with binge eating, you've probably been using willpower as your primary method of control, um, which willpower is great. <clears throat> 
but it when it's overused like if you've done years and years of dieting that would overuse your willpower and then it's no longer a, a big enough tool to to heal something like this usually willpower is is best used for other things so if you're still struggling with disordered eating or binge eating or food addiction you most likely need to overcome this blockage that we're going to be talking about today so um so we're going to be talking about this new type of control. We're going to be talking about making that shift from victim to victor in this in your own path. Um, and this is actually one of me and Shahar, I would say, for both of us, it's actually one of our personal strengths. So this is something that's always come pretty naturally to me. Um, and I like kind of picking it apart now and seeing why it worked, because there's a lot of things that are not really coming that within what we teach that have not come naturally to me. <laughs> and I always like teaching those, but it's nice to be able to, to teach from, you know, personal experience in this one as well. So we're going to be sharing this mental shift with you today to show you how it can help you on your own journey from binge eating or food addiction to, to just food freedom. So there's my long introduction. <laughs> oh, good. Jen's here. I'm happy to see you, Jen. Um, Minnie Miller asked a good question, but it's kind of off topic. Maybe at the end we'll have time to address it. Yeah, Minnie, right? I want to. I do want to share that um, yeah. because I think, and I think one of the important let's introduce the question first. Oh yeah, let, let me read it. Sorry, I, you guys can tell my I've been so self-absorbed <laughs> lately. I've been so <laughs> that I like it's taking me a minute to transition here. So Minnie asked. I would like to know your turning point when you realized food freedom was the direction that was right for you. And I don't want to give too long of an answer now because we do want to get in our topic for today, but it is relevant actually in a way. Um, and I would say, Minnie, that there, there's, I think for some people, there can be one of those aha moments or epiphanies, like a turning point where everything changes. But one of the things that we've found again and again and again is this happens, this is a gradual process. Gradual doesn't mean slow. <laughs> a lot of times people think gradual means slow, but, but in reality, I think it's a gradual process. And for me, there was no one moment where I was like, oh, this is the path for me. I found the path uh, and only in hindsight, you know, do I even right. know. One of the, actually, uh, I would share that what was like last week or even just a few days ago, I forgot was something about I forget, it was like some sort of a snack we had in our house and that you looked at it and said, ah, I don't need it anymore or something. It was like, I think it was with dates. I'm trying to remember exactly, but you had like an experience not that far long ago. And you, we had this epiphany where kind of like the food was not a center of your life. Oh, I remember you came back from that Italian restaurant with a half of your <laughs> meal <laughs> And you gave it to me as you were sitting with your friends and they were eating like really, really fast and very mindlessly. And you kind of like observed it and had a vision of the old you and even carrying this food was kind of like this impossible task of just saving food for your husband. Oh yeah. I could not in the past. There's no way that would have lasted the car ride. There's no right, and just and that's the point. Just in hindsight, you're like, "Holy moly, what journey I've been on!" And like, yeah. what a difference! Like, yeah. so when but, you notice it, it already happened for a while. I I don't think that was the question, though. I think Minnie's question, yeah. where it was, where she said, "When did you realize this was the direction you wanted to go?" Okay. 
because this was me like this. I think that showed an example of like me recognizing food freedom in my daily life now. Ah, I see. But in terms of like actively choosing it, I think what did it, Minnie, was realizing that there wasn't another way unless I wanted to restrict myself for my entire life. Because that's the other way <laughs> is you just continue to restrict yourself. But the problem with restriction in that way is, um, I mean, it causes urges to binge. So it's like the more you restrict, the more the urges come and the more of a fight it was. And I, I think I understood, um, I did, I don't even think I understood I had an eating disorder back then. I think I just thought I didn't have willpower. There was something wrong with me, but I didn't even consider the fact, especially because um, binge eating hasn't even been really recognized even as like, we mostly think of bulimia or anorexia. I, I think a lot of times when it comes to the eating disorder world, but um, I'm getting off topic. But, but anyway, but the point is, I don't think there was um, a specific moment. It was, I think, when it comes to healing your relationship with food, what it boils down to is you're healing a relationship. And as you heal relationships, whether it's with another person or with yourself or with food or with all of those things, what ends up happening is you recognize that there's no like one turning point. There might be important critical moments where you have realizations or things like that. But for me, it was the practice, keep, keep coming back to the practice that would strengthen my faith in, oh, this is working. <laughs> like I'm not, I, I think I would consider myself to be a skeptic. I think a lot of people call themselves skeptics and aren't. Um, I think they're just doubtful, but real skeptics try things for themselves. And I've always been really skeptical. So I've always tried things out on myself and I don't really trust people blindly. Like I wouldn't expect you guys to listen to me and say, and say, oh, well, Katie says it's true. So it must be what I'm suggesting is try this out for yourself because you're going to start to notice, even if you needed more help, you'll still be able to see changes by yourself. You'll still be able to start seeing how the path happens. Um, and once you see like, oh, this is how it works and it's working, it strengthens your own faith and it reinforces you to keep going down that path because it's what's working. The reason I didn't go down the dieting path any longer was because it really, <laughs> it really wasn't working. And I'm, I'm one of those like, extreme personalities, like I can force myself to do really uncomfortable things for long periods and I can endure pain. I can, in, like, I, I'm, I have a pretty extreme personality. Um, but, but the idea of having to have that level of control over food for my entire life in that warlike mentality, I couldn't imagine myself doing it. I, I, it, yeah. Um, that's my ramble. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> um, so thanks for asking the question, Minnie. I hope that answered um, or at least gave you some idea of what's happening in my brain much faster than I can articulate it. <laughs> she says, sorry to get you off topic. That's usually <laughs> my job, Minnie. <laughs> yeah. So let's get back on topic, though, because really what we're we are this this is really what we are talking about. It's all on topic because we're we're talking about healing, and that's really what this is about. And today we wanted to talk about healing a specific type of thinking pattern. Um, so Shahar, I'm going to pass it on to you, who seems more focused than me, and I'm going to let you introduce it for us. <laughs> right. So by the way, a good segue is the the idea of control. Like Katie said, like 
we have this tendency when we have the binge eating and we have this kind of a the compulsion, compulsion and obsessive relationship with food is we, we try always to try to control it. We can try, we try to control the world around us. We try to control everything. And when that doesn't work, we get very frustrated, right? This, this, this is why it's constantly blows up in our face, right? We can't just expect the entire planet, the entire system, all the TV commercials, all the people around your life, every single aspect. When I go outside the world, we can't force them to be like us or to think like we want or to say the pleasant things that we like, right? We cannot do that. That's why it never ends up working, right? The restriction, when we say restriction, we try to restrict the food on ourselves, but then we go out with another human being and they're eating what we restricted. And then we go to a family thing. And maybe in this, uh, in my fridge, it's exactly the food I like and what I want for whatever restriction I put on myself. And then I go out into the world. So we constantly, if we try to restrict the world, then it will, in a, it, it will always have, eventually will fail right because we cannot control the world right we can only we can only control our own energy our own mentality the way we perceive and the way we interact with the world and that's a segue into our topic today right you cannot control the entire world but you can't control the way you perceive it and the way you uh, adapt to it do you know the the, the analogy um with the shoes there's like that saying of- no, the, I love the, a good analogy. Um, it's like, oh gosh. It's like a guy's walking in the woods and he's barefoot and he's stepping on all the thorns and all the branches and all the sharp pointy things. And so he like next time brings strips of leather with him and just puts down a strip of leather like every time he wants to take a step. And it ends up being like, he's trying to like <laughs> control like every step he takes in the forest until something happens and he it occurs to him like oh why am i trying to change the external when i could just change myself and put on shoes and then i wouldn't need all these <laughs> strips of leather and and that really is the idea is is there's so much freedom what, what we're really talking about here is the ultimate freedom right that's what we all want is freedom and when we take it upon ourselves to say i'm going to focus on what i can control which is you know, this person right here, me, <laughs> now, now we can get somewhere because like you said, Shahar, if we, if I try to control everything around me, I'm going to end up so exhausted and still in control of nothing. Right. And by the way, just one of the comments, I see Nancy wrote, I turn my mind off when it comes to these commercials. Understand that's the other side of the restriction coin, right? That is a restriction. I don't want to see it. <laughs> Right, it's we can't, uh, I don't wanna to go too much on a tangent. It's like going with the flow, right? You don't swim against the river, but you also don't let the river take you, right? You don't let, because the river can be down a waterfall. So you can't go extreme to one way or can't go extreme to the other. You can't just constantly fight against the river. You can't just give up and let it drown you. What you do, you need to swim with the river and then use that river to guide you to the shore where you want to go so enough with that philosophy for now let's go back to the exact topic that we're talking about which is uh, victim mentality and entitlement so this is one of the core things that we have that we can't control now 
disclaimer from the beginning, when we talk about entitlement and we talk about victim mentality, it's not from an accusatory place. We're not accusing everyone. We're not, the point is not to shame. It's something that we understand as part of human nature, right? We have this part of ourselves because it's, it's very comforting to blame other people for problems and to go into the dwelling mode. But it's something we all do to a certain extent. And the more you indulge and the more you reinforce that in your life, the further it's going to take you away from your solution. Because there's a thousands and the millions of people are responsible for your circumstances and troubles in life. But there's only one person in the world that is responsible to get you out of it. Right. This is the core of what we're talking about. This is where real control comes in. So the victim mentality and the way it shows up and Katie, I think you're great at these things. Can you give me give us a few examples of how it sounds like or where it comes out as that entitled energy or victim mentality energy? Oh, I can give you some. Come back to me. I'm literally I can get you some examples I've literally written down. <laughs> OK, fantastic. So. The, the victim mentality, the way it shows up a lot of the times, it shows up as, as a feeling of lack of control. So what you do, you throw away the blame outwards. And it's, it's not the solution-based energy, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dwelling type of energy. And like I said, we all have it to a certain extent. And when it comes to food freedom and how it's connected to that, Katie, you ready? Yeah, I got it. But okay. go no, no, go ahead. I want. To, I first want to go through a few examples. So I want people to know if they, they recognize it or not before I go into it. Yeah, sure. So, um, and you can see this and and listen to your own language. Um, maybe you've even written this when reaching out for help. Um, some victim kind of questions that we hear people ask a lot are, why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? Why bother? Whose fault is this? So where we say like, oh, it's society always pushing dieting or, oh, it's my parents who put me on Weight Watchers at age 12. Um, why can't I? So why can't I, uh, why can't I control myself? Um, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard? Why am I stuck? So some of, so, it's, now understand understand the question why is it so hard why is that it's not an inquisitive it's not an inquisitive mind right because you can say why is this so hard right or how can i make this, how can i make this easier right right so, that'll be an inquisitive mind but if you say why is it so hard right that, it's the energy not, behind behind right. how you're saying it also <laughs> it's um, not a solution and who hasn't thought, done this uh, right like who hasn't Sorry, done you. this where I'm just like, why am I like this? <laughs> um, so yeah, we're definitely not accusing because Lord knows we have lived this too. And, and it is important to acknowledge this part of ourselves because, because we need to look at it. You know, we can't change the things that we aren't aware of. And it's not to say, you know, we walk around the world, we see some, a lot of, you know, we can, we can pick out entitlement, but we, but it's harder to pick it out when, it, when it's us <laughs> or the victim mentality when it's us um, or there, this should be available or this should be, you know, people should be teaching this. I, I hear that a lot. Like why aren't right. therapists or doctors teaching this? Like, 
why is that where we're putting the energy right now? How about we just put our energy into learning it and practicing it and let the doctors worry about themselves? Um, but, <laughs> but, but this is the idea is um, it's not just the questions, it's how we ask the questions. And are we coming from a place of, you know, looking for the solutions or looking for understanding, or are we coming from the place of self-judgment or blaming ourselves or blaming others for, right. or for why, 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 if that makes right. sense. We like to use the terms uh, in our, in our program, we like to use the term abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. And when we blame everybody else, or when we go from an accusatory, sorry, bad English, <laughs> accusatory uh, place, and when we kind of release that frustration out in that way, then, like I said, it comes from a place of lack. If I don't have enough, why don't I know this? Why can't I do this? It comes from a place of I don't have enough. I cannot solve this. So it's constantly looking at what I don't have. Now, you can't do nothing with what you don't have because by definition, you don't have it, right? It's I, You can't tell me to do something with an inadequate something that does not exist. So it will never change because it doesn't exist. Okay, so I'm, I'm just gonna sit here frustrated I can't have it. So I can't focus my intention on what I don't have. Instead, the abundance mindset is focusing on the things I do have. So no, yes, I, I, I don't have this food freedom, but what do I have to help me get it? Right. This is the the abundance mentality. Now, now understand that I like to think of it as the difference between being a patient and being a doctor. Right. A patient job is to shout all of its problems, all of the patient's problems. But the patient doesn't is not the one that's going to come up with the solutions. He just yells. The doctor is the one that comes up with the solution. And how does the doctor does that? It asks questions. OK, where are you feeling? Where, is, where, where are you experiencing this pain? Where are you experiencing this? What can you do to make this better, right? So when you're in that mindset of the victor, of the hero, right? The hero of the situation asks questions and looks for solution. The victim of the situation blames and yells about the problem. Now, like Katie said, this is something we all do to a certain extent, right? It's very easy. One of the things that Katie said, this is why, why it's such a strong part between uh, that we are both very strong at thankfully is that even when we complain katie knows that very well if i come home and i complain she asks me is this a solving <laughs> problem or this is just you airing out situation i say i just want to air out i'm just complaining and i come i i do my complaining and then i make a joke about it and then i start thinking about solutions and move on right this is about being thinking through a place of abundance. Think of what you do have and work with that rather than focusing your mind and your intention on what you don't have. Because again, what you don't have, can't do anything about it. You yeah. can do with what you do have. The logic stands. <laughs> <laughs> it does stand and, exactly. and, it's, and it's true. And, um, and I definitely, you know, as, I've kind of been focusing on healing myself in all these different areas. I've definitely found that. Um, and I think that it also had a lot to do with my age actually also. Um, but when I was looking, when I was originally struggling with binge eating to kind of like go back to what I was talking about before with Minnie, I, I, 
I was told definitely um, when I first started acknowledging that I actually had, I had eating issues for far longer than I actually acknowledged it or thought like, oh, this is like something that people get professional help for. So when I first started looking like around for professional help, I definitely heard from a number of different professionals um, that this is something that is not actually fixable. Um, that you can treat it and you can like manage symptoms, but it's always going to be with you. And one of the thing, and and I think one of the things that kind of quote unquote saved me in a way is that I just didn't accept that as truth. Um, and I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. Of course, there's a way. And part of that's you know stubbornness. Thank you, stubbornness. But but it's true is that I wasn't about to lie down and accept that at age 20 something, I was gonna be stuck with this issue for the rest of my life, struggling with weight fluctuations and um, all of this compulsive behavior around food and addictions and all those things. I didn't wanna accept that that was my life. Um, so, and I also knew deep down, I think I knew that like, and that's what Shahar is talking about, that hero element like there was that part of me that was like, of course that's not true. And luckily I had a lot of tools, right? And I and I, I say luckily, but also I should take some credit for this because I sought out those tools and I was the one who put in the practice and I was the one who paid the teachers and I was the one who invested in myself and put in all that work. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think an advantage that I did have inherently is that I did all this in my 20s. So I didn't have decades of being told already, this is not fixable. I didn't have decades of failure under my belt. I had a, I had some years of, you know, the, it was enough where I was in enough pain to be willing to put in a lot of time and energy and money into fixing this. But it wasn't to the point where it had been decades of the same record playing over and over again of you're broken, this is never gonna, like I never really indulged that mentality too much. Of course I felt hopeless after binges and stuff and I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? And I did ask myself all those victim questions and I did beat myself for sure. But on a deeper, I think there was something beneath that where I knew this is not who I am. Like, this isn't me. I am not a binge eater. Like, I don't accept that as my identity. I think it's an issue that I'm struggling with right now that I'm working on. But it's not me. And it's certainly not unfixable. Like, I didn't believe that for one second. And I think that that gave me a huge advantage in actually being able to fix it. Because what we found is that the people who believe that they can fix this are the people who, who do not because of the sheer belief, but because that belief is what drives them to seek out the appropriate help. It drives them to seek, um, you know, the right help for them and to be able to, whether it involves a monetary investment or a time investment or both, you know, to really put in the energy to do, to do the work. Um, whereas I think if, if you truly believe, and I actually got to this place, I realized I actually hit this place of victimhood recently, um, dealing with another issue. I have like chronic pain in my hip and I did like a couple years ago, you saw it Shahar, like you probably know better than anyone besides me, but I definitely got to that place of, oh my God, I'm going to be like this my whole life. This, it, like I've been, I was told by so many people that it was unfixable. Um, and I'm still in pain now, but 
but I have hope because now I found someone who I believe can help me and we're working on it and I'm putting in the work, I'm putting in the energy and I'm, you know, I hired him to help me. And, um, and that's the thing is, is I did get to that place where I was like, oh crap, I'm, <laughs> I'm broken. So I know the feeling like if you felt that, or if you felt that for any number of years, it's a horrible feeling. Um, but one of the things that's important is to look beneath that feeling because there's always a deeper hero beneath that victim. There's always a deeper victor that says, of course you can heal yourself and you can, and you can, you have all of the tools and all of the power and you have everything within you um, to get yourself to that place. And what was strange about um, that healing process for me, sorry, Shahar, I'm just kind of like, no, this is the best. Like I'm kind of like thinking it as I'm saying it, but I'm I realized with the with the pain element that I've been dealing with the chronic pain is um, I actually the 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 quote unquote teacher came when I was ready, and I was definitely in more of that victim mentality of why can't like the right chiropractor just snap my hip in the place where it should be. And then I can just go about and live my life. I didn't recognize that there might be deeper components to the chronic pain. There might be some trauma centered around it. There might be um, deeper elements beyond just, you know, mechanics, which is a lot of the time with eating, right? Because we say, oh, well, the mechanics of just eat fewer calories <laughs> and move more, like that should be the trick. But we realized then that it's a lot more than those simple mechanics. Like there's so many emotions behind this. There's so much trauma behind relationships with food sometimes, relationships with ourselves, relationships with our weight and our bodies. Um, and there are deeper things that we need to deal with. And, um, and so I realized what kind of was the turning point for me with the pain, where I kind of shifted from the victim into the victor mode was I actually got to the place where I did accept, like I was like, I could be like this for my whole life. Like I could actually, um, I still kind of feel that, I could potentially have pain for as long as I live, but I hate saying that, but, um, but that it could, it's possible. I'll acknowledge that it's possible. And because I acknowledged that possibility and I said, okay, well, if that is the case, then I don't wanna add extra suffering on top of my pain. I don't wanna add extra stress. I don't wanna add extra fear or extra anxiety or extra drama on top of it. So I'm gonna work on just becoming peaceful. <laughs> and my intention was, let me just become peaceful around this. And me getting that kind of peace around like, well, here's how I'm going to work on it. Here's how I am gonna demonstrate some sense of control. I'm gonna focus on, if I can't control the pain, I'm gonna control my reaction to the pain. And giving myself permission to have that control of I'm going to work on my reaction to the pain, I got myself calm enough to where I actually was in a place where I could receive help. And then magically, <laughs> magically, that's when the teacher came to help take me the rest of the way, which is what I'm currently working on. So, so all of this is just to kind of give some personal insight to say that even if you have some victim mentality in you around your disordered eating, there is also the victor in you. And it's important that we acknowledge both because it's not all or nothing where you're either a victor or you're a victim, right? It's not all or nothing. There are, but we can, 
we can fuel both of those energies with our behaviors and with our thoughts. But know that the that if the victor wasn't in you, you wouldn't even be here. You wouldn't be listening right now if there wasn't some part of you that was like, yeah, I'm going to fix this. Yeah, I'm going to heal myself. Right. So that's actually a great segue into uh, the next thing I wanted to address is, yes, this is 100% natural, right? The, the victim mentality and the scarcity is very natural because it comes from our need to survive, right? The, the inherent part of us that is connected to survival, right? Because we're looking for something is wrong. We're looking for something that is, that is wrong in the world. And that kind of helps us avoid it. Now, it's, it's, an, animal, it's an animalistic instinct, right? It comes from the, from the amygdala, from the base of the, the brain. And that is the part that is all about survival. Now understand that the victor mind comes from the neocortex, comes from the center of the mind. This is what basically the humanity part or the humanity part of the brain, right? So they are both natural, but we want to reinforce one, not the other. But we want to reinforce the hero mentality acknowledge not restrict not push it away because the more you restrict the more you try to push it away the stronger your connection becomes right you don't want to run away from the fear you want to run towards the solution right this is this is the energy of strengthening the victim mentality uh, not the victim strengthening the hero mentality the victor yeah. mentality yeah and now, sometimes fear will come with you on that run <laughs> right Which right is okay. exactly and understanding it's not an enemy it's not an enemy. It's not something that's wrong. It's something that is natural, but just because it's natural doesn't mean we have to identify with it. Like Katie said, it's about identity. Am I identifying with the pain and the fear of carrying this for my entire life? Or am I identifying with the victor, with healing it and going beyond this? This is the, this is the first aspect where I want to encourage everybody who is listening to try to, let's go to the practical, right? Like, how do I reinforce the victor? So I want to recommend for everybody who's listening, just notice, just notice where your mind, when your mind is just, you know, kind of discriminate between them. When is my mind in scarcity and victim? And where, when is my mind is uh, in, in the victor and the solution? And I want to add on top of that, not just noticing the thoughts, I want you to notice also the language of your body, right? Remember what we talked about before, when it comes to eating, it's not analytical, it's sensational within the body. So I want you to try to notice where's your body is when your uh, heart rate, breath, high strain in the body. And when you are in solution mode, cognitive, uh, grateful, abundant, all right. Notice the difference, right? You can even notice in something that is not related to food. You can notice it when you are with a loved one that you feel comfortable and peaceful around and with someone that you are not feeling comfortable, someone who is strenuous on you. Notice the physical sensations in the body and notice where your thoughts are, right? If you're sitting with a person, you're saying, I wish I could be anywhere but here. Or we're sitting with a loved one saying, oh, I'm just in the moment and I'm enjoying what I have, right? The same with food. Notice when you are sitting with food with abundance, gratitude, and peace in your body, 
And notice when you are in scarcity, victimhood, and tension in your body. Don't do anything. It's not a call to action. Just observe and notice the difference. That is all. No need to make it complex. No need to go crazy on it. Just observe and listen. The thoughts and the body language. And let that be your practice for next week. Or And write your, write your realizations, write them in a group, or even wait for us for next week to kind of share your experience. Katie, <laughs> we can also sit quietly and say nothing. <laughs> I was active listening. Um, <laughs> so now the thing is, you know, in terms of, I mean, last year I was spending a lot of time on the phone with people um, who were struggling with binge eating. Some of them were people who ended up working with us and some of them not. And one of the things that I definitely noticed, you know, really just from listening and Minnie actually said this in the beginning um, or maybe 10 minutes ago, Minnie, she wrote like how, oh, here, here's the comment. She wrote how you word things even in your head makes such a difference between negative and positive attitude, which you learn from her counselor. So I think that's such a, it, it's so true, and that's something that we wholeheartedly agree with, because when we start to look at our words, or I should say listen to our words, or look at them if we're writing them, then we'll see what our thoughts sound like. <laughs> and and it's easier to, to I want to use the word correct or edit your thoughts through your language or through when you when you write. Because when we do that, we can actually, again, we can't change the things we're not aware of. And so, like I was saying, when I was talking to a lot of people on the phone last year, I would hear a lot of times, um, you know, everyone comes with their complaints, which is normal. And I like to know the complaints because it lets me see kind of what patterns you're dealing with or, or how you think. So I don't mind listening so much to the, <laughs> to the complaints. But some of the complaints that I would hear would sound something like, um, oh, I was doing really well and I was able to keep up this diet for a few months, but then my husband <laughs> brought home ice cream and didn't put it in the garage uh, freezer and he put it in the regular freezer. So I saw it and then it started like a three month binge and um, I would hear things like that or I'd hear, oh, I was, I, I, um, I was doing so well, but then this other person started talking about weight gain and that triggered me and da, da 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 And when I hear things like that, we can see the energy of the, the victim, right? This is happening to me. I, instead of, um, because we can acknowledge that something triggered us, right? We can say, I felt triggered by this. But there's a difference, right? And 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 the reason I bring up this difference, by the way, is again, like Shahar said, not accusatory. If it worked, we would encourage you to continue. <laughs> but the reason we're saying don't is because it doesn't work super well. Um, when we say things like, oh, it's because of them, or it's because that food was there, or it's because it was the holidays, or it's because that person triggered me, or it's because my mom always stresses me out and that triggered me. It's fine to acknowledge the triggers, but when it's when it's coming from a place of blame, 
like I'm blaming them or I'm blaming even myself. I'm blaming myself. Oh, it's my willpower that's shot to hell. Oh, it's all my fault. I'm the one who did this to myself in the first place. I have no one else to blame but myself for my weight gain. You know, how many times have you heard that in your own head? I know I've <laughs> said that to myself many times. Um, the more we, the more we speak to ourselves that way, we are being the victim. Even if we're blaming ourselves, <laughs> we're still being the victim, right? Because because we're we're in a place of blame and when we do that we disempower ourselves that's the biggest problem with it it's not that it's inherently wrong or it's like an evil thing to do it's not that's not why we're even bringing this up the the reason why we bring this up as being so important is because when we do that we disempower ourselves as if these are the forces that are greater than our own and we reaffirm that to ourselves over and over, which is dangerous because what it teaches us is that we are helpless. And what it teaches us is that we are dependent and our mood and our behaviors are dependent on how the world acts around us or what is thrown in our path. That, that how we behave depends on kind of what cards were dealt. And the thing is, we can blame if we want. We can find so many things to blame for our circumstances, starting with our parents, starting with our teachers, starting with the media, blah, blah, blah. Society, God, society, no God my luck, you know, all of these things, disorder. We can blame all of these things. Or we can acknowledge, okay, here's a struggle that I'm having, but who's the only one really who can help me here is myself. Because even if I'm seeking help, like even if let's say like I'm a big, you know, when I'm dealing with something, especially mind related like this, where it's, it's more challenging to do it by yourself. Like even if I'm hiring someone, it's still, that still falls in within the realm of my personal responsibility because I'm responsible for choosing someone right? I'm responsible for doing the research. I'm responsible for making the investment. I'm responsible for then showing up. I'm then responsible for putting in the energy, continuing, continuing to develop myself, right? So if I were to just go at it from more of the victim mentality of like, okay, well, yeah, I'll find someone and hopefully they'll be able to do something. They'll heal me, <laughs> right? We're not going to get super far because we aren't empowering ourselves enough, and what we found is that the people, at least who we work with, we've seen the same thing to be true, is the people who do the best with us are the people who ask for our help, but are also pulling their own weight and doing the work. And the reason why we're able to help them on a deeper level is because they already have their established practice because they're putting in the work in their own life. So, and that's the thing is, and we always tell that to our clients, we're like, you can always keep reaching out to us, but remember, like 99% of your success is the practice. So while we can give those insights and while those insights can be, you know, really, really important, right, they can make a huge difference. Um, it's still you're the one who's implementing it. You're the one who's being receptive to it. So we're in control of not only what we do, but our attitudes while we're doing it. And that's one thing that Shahar always, you know, you've been a big inspiration for me with that. Um, because a lot of times I would do things, but I would do them begrudgingly, or I would do them with the attitude of just doing it to get it done and just check it off a list. And when we're, when we want to grow, <laughs> it's not the best strategy 
is because because in a sense that's that's disempowering ourselves. We're not allowing ourselves to go into any depth. We're just kind of checking it off a list because someone told us to, and that's it. Um, but Shahar, you 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 always said, well, if I'm going to be doing it anyway, I'm going to do it well, and I'm going to do it mindfully. And ever since I've you know adopted more of that mentality, and of course our clients are are adapting it too, and we see like it's it's so obvious to see the difference in how fast people can heal and progress when you take that personal responsibility for yourself and you claim that part of yourself that is the hero, that is the victor. And that, by the way, guys, that's what freedom is. Freedom is personal responsibility in a big way. Shahar, you're muted, but I know you're you're about to say something. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, hundred uh, percent. Like you said, freedom and personal responsibility are integrated together, right? There, they you can't have one without the other. And and I want to reinforce another thing you said, like like the thing, like doing begrudgingly. When we adopt the mentality of abundance and growth is we are working with our natural, the most natural part of our humanity, right? Which is growing. We always want to move forward. We always want to grow. We all, when we attach to that hero, that victor mentality, we are working with our natural, the most pure natural part of us because we naturally want to grow all the time. We are not designed to be stagnant, right? Right. We're not a rock. We're not a mountain. We are uh, living, moving, studying, being, right? We have a nervous system. Why do we have a nervous system? What's the point? Because when you touch something, it hurts. We, now we know not to touch it, touch it, right? Because we are designed biologically to learn from mistakes. And if we need to learn from our mistakes, that means we are here to grow. We're here to develop, right? There's no way to stop that. So if we embrace growth, we embrace like, I, like, like uh, Katie said, if I'm already doing this, I want to take something out of it. I want to make it meaningful to me. If I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat this food, I don't want to, I, why would I make, why would I do it mindlessly? Why would it be just a routine? Why would it be just something to shut down the world? Why can't I make this meal a meaningful experience? Let's make it something that makes me a better version of myself. I want to listen to my body. I want to make myself uh, more cognitive and reinforce gratitude, reinforce things that put me into the victor world and not reinforce and letting go. Again, I'm saying letting go of the victim. This is the, this is the most natural part of us. And when we embrace it, life just becomes much easier. Yeah. Right? And this is something I learned when I was uh, in high school, I think high school while I was sitting there was something my teacher told me and I was always bored in class <laughs> and my teacher told me came to me she said look was literature teacher she said look you're already here you can sit here with your eyes up looking at the clock till the end of times or you could just listen and try to learn something new if you are here because one way or another an hour of your life is gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, you decide if you're going to be meaningful are wasteful. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that was really hit home. And, and that was the one only class I think I did really well. <laughs> 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 a 
Let and that and that is when we start to apply things into other areas of our lives because exactly. yeah, I could have applied that to history and science and gender. Was that there was that it was I didn't apply it because I didn't know how to apply it. Like right. I, I afterwards I learned and I, I reinforced that tool more and more as I grew up. It was a gradual buildup. I incorporated it into my military life. I incorporated it into relationships. I incorporated it into my relationship. Well, other side with Katie, <laughs> with the wall. <laughs> my relationship with Katie, I've been incorporating that. And, and like Katie said, this is something that get into our relationship. And it is very powerful because you don't act meaninglessly. Life suddenly has a meaning that is growing. It's developing. You're working with the natural flow of the universe. Right. Not to go okay. too up there. Yeah, we go up there sometimes. <laughs> um, one one thing that Jen just wrote, she said, taking responsibility for my own recovery has been absolutely necessary. It's only been a week and a half, but the mind shift is shocking. And yeah, you've you've um, you've immersed yourself, Jen. Like Jen found us what like yeah, a week and a half ago or so, and you've really been immersing yourself. And that's like what this is, is we want to fuel ourselves. I'm not saying that like, oh, we're so great. Good for you for listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, what we're saying is aligned with the place that you're at in your life right now. And, and that's what we want to do ultimately, because being the hero, it doesn't mean that, oh, now we have to do everything by ourselves. That's not what it means. But it does mean, you know, taking responsibility to the point where all right, well, I'm going to be responsible for the things that I consume, not just food wise, but like the things that I consume in my own psyche. Right. So if you were, you know, saying, oh, I want food freedom. And then you go and like listen to uh, a lecture on, you know, restrictive dieting and calorie counting, right? That behavior is not necessarily aligned. You're consuming something that isn't aligned in the path that you want to go. So this is the idea is you're surrounding yourself or, or immersing yourself in the type of energy that you're cultivating. And that's what we want. And that's the, in yoga, that's called satsanga, where you put yourself in the company of others who elevate you. Um, in whatever area you're working on, or just in general, to elevate yourself to to because really what we're here to do is, you know, we're not the healers, so to speak, right? Because we can't heal you. We can help you heal yourself. But ultimately, I believe everyone is their own healer, and we just get our helpers along the way, and we choose who our helpers are going to be. but but the more we can take responsibility for our own path and show up for ourselves and and surround ourselves with things that keep elevating us what ends up happening is we get elevated <laughs> and when we're elevated we're we're acting then from a much stronger place and we have so much more capacity and we start to identify more and more with that hero part of ourselves because that's the part that we're continuously fueling now does that mean that the victim part never comes up of course not of course it comes up. That's totally natural. Um, and But that's not what, we're, but we don't need to get rid of that in order to heal. We just need to have a different relationship with it where we're not afraid of it anymore. Um, and yeah, Jen's like, it's an it's a ton of intentional work, but so worth it. And that's the thing. It's a, it, it is a lot of work, but the beauty is, is that it gives you energy. Like it's also, one could also argue that it's a lot of work to, keep an eating disorder 
right? Like that for me, like it was so it's it much was, more work. Much it, more work yeah, to have an eating disorder right? for 20 years than to solve it in a year. <laughs> but, the, but that's the thing. It's it's about like what work is worth the work, right? Because no matter what, whether we're fighting ourselves or we're freeing ourselves, they're both going to be a ton of work. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. That's such a good way to put it. I loved how you said that. How, how did you phrase that? That was a very good one. I wonder, um, mentally whether we're one. fighting ourselves or are freeing ourselves, it's both going to be a ton of work. <laughs> <laughs> but but one of them, the work, you're going to get a big return on your investment. And the other one, you're deeper in the hole. Um, but the beauty is, is that you have the control and and it doesn't matter how old you are or how many times you've lost had lost weight before, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter because the shift is more of an attitude shift than anything else. Um, strategy, the, surprisingly, the strategy is the easy part, <laughs> or at least the sim the simple part. It's it's the attitude shift that you know that tends to be the thing that more of the make or break. Um, of course you need both. You need the strategy and the mindset, but anyone who carries, you know, or who ins I should say, who's insisting on indulging a victim mentality, right? Um, it's going to be very hard to have freedom because then you're always going to be dependent and, Freedom is independence, not dependence. Like we wouldn't be doing a great job if everyone, you know, we worked with is still really dependent on us. It's one thing to, you know, reach out for help. We obviously encourage that. We always want people to reach out for help, even after working for us if they need it. Right. But at the same time, what we're going to do is we're, we're not just going to say, oh, here, I'm just going to do everything for you. We can't we can direct you back to what you need to do and reinforce and help and support and be that positive energy for you but ultimately no By the one way, nobody can, can. Nobody yeah no can one can <laughs> nobody can even the best of the best of the best even the videos of the guy who has a trainer that follows him into the dunkin donuts and then slap it off <laughs> with his hand and yells at him and post it on facebook even that's not enough that's it's not, not. Gonna be the trick. it's not because that guy's not gonna because that's the thing even if guess, i had guess what the guy's gonna do once the guy the trainer goes to vacation <laughs> yeah exactly even if i had that that guy a guy following me around and slapping donuts out of my hand i'm still gonna find a way to eat donuts <laughs> I'm still going to find a way. Um, I have been, I remember like showing up at places like to when I was binging to like to buy whatever I was going to binge on. And I would realize I didn't have money and I would spend time like literally scrounging in my car for like change <laughs> because I just needed to, I was going to find a way to binge. And that's the kind of energy we want to bring to healing, right? Like I'm, I'm laughing about it because it's, you know, it's far enough in the past that I can now, <laughs> but, but like I was the, the amount of drive I would have to binge, right? If there was no food in the house, like, oh, I'm going to, even if I'm like in the middle of nowhere, I will find something. I will eat stale cookies in the back of the cabinet. Like I will find a way to, to feed myself in the way that I feel like I need right now. And when we can apply that same tenacity 
and that same like resolution to to healing, right? We're unstoppable people. And it doesn't mean it needs to be a fight. It really doesn't mean mean it needs to be a fight. We definitely do not believe that fighting is the way out. Of the opposite. It's it's not only it's not a fight, it's all about making peace and trust. It's the exact yeah. opposite of a fight. Exactly. And that's the thing is a lot of times when, when people talk about he, like, I, I don't want to say healing binge eating, um, but people will use words like overcoming binge eating or getting rid of binge eating or, you know, things like that. And um, the thing is, though, there's no way you can't get to peace and freedom without using peaceful and freeing methods. So if you're trying to get to like peace by restricting yourself when you hate restricting yourself, you're not going to have peace that way. <laughs> but again, no one, the, the whole point of this is to say that you're the boss. You are the boss of your life. And whatever situation has led you up to this point, fine. But right now, you are the boss. Even if you didn't get to be the boss when you were a kid and you, things happened to you or you were circumstances, whatever, you are the boss now. You get to decide where to go from here and what you want your life to look like. And it's your job, not anybody else's, not your therapist, not your spouse, not your sister, not your mom, not anybody else's responsibility to do this for you. Like you've got to show up and do it. And that is where freedom comes from. Because when you start to show up in a new way and you start healing yourself and your relationship with food from this place of peace, like with that energy and that attitude, and that energy of the I'm I'm here to take responsibility and to be the victor and to do the work for myself, what ends up happening? We get freedom because we build that trust with ourselves that we keep showing up. The reason why I think a lot of times people have such eroded self-trust kind of issues is because of the failed diets, honestly. I've tried dieting so many times. I failed so many times. So now it's like, I can't even trust myself. Like I don't even take myself seriously anymore when I tell myself I'm not going to binge tonight or that I'm going to be able to stay on this diet for a whole month. Like I'll say it, but I don't really believe it because my self-trust is so eroded. So when we go through that over and over, we do in a sense feel like our self-trust is eroding. But the fact that you're here, right, shows otherwise right? It shows that, yes, maybe there is some depletion of self-trust, but there's also this hero mentality, this victor who's trying to come out <laughs> by, by opening yourself to new ideas, by showing up today, by being an active listener. Like this is you being the hero now. So it's not one or the other. It's not, oh, I'm a victim or, oh, I'm a, I'm a hero. It's you have both Decide which one you want to tap into more and just keep fueling it and keep feeding it and surround yourself with positive energy that lifts you up. Like if you were to listen to us and we weren't helping you, go find someone who does, you know? And if we are helping you, keep showing up and keep sticking around. Let us elevate you. That's why we're here. Um, but ultimately, you are the boss. You are the one. You know, you, you're in charge of all of it. And, and, and if if your relationship with food is affecting your life in some kind of negative way, then show up for yourself, my friend, and own it and 
and open yourself to healing because it's 100% possible and you are the one who gets to say yes to something like that. And that's a very empowering and beautiful thing. So um, by the way, guys, I have in a half an hour, um, we're doing a pre-recording for this. I'm being interviewed for this perfectly imperfect women panel. And that's a lot of what we're talking about here um, is this idea of it's, it, it's perfect even when it's imperfect, right? You don't need to be in this high state of motivation to even start. You don't need everything, all your ducks in a row in order to start this path to healing. Like you've started, you're here. Now it's just a matter of, hey, next time you eat, show up and be present with yourself. Set the intention that while I eat right now, I'm going to be here and I'm going to practice being peaceful. I'm going to breathe slowly to relax myself. I'm going to relax my muscles. I'm going to let myself be present. I'm going to taste this food. I'm going to notice and I'm going to be with myself long enough that I can notice when it doesn't feel good anymore. So that way I can know, I can act in a I can act accordingly so that way I can keep myself feeling good because I am on my own side and I am an advocate for my healing. Do I need to do it perfectly? No, but I'm still going to keep showing up. That's the idea of the hero. We keep showing up. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That was my like fifth grade anthem. So <laughs> I heard it in the car the other day. I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I've been falling down and getting up a lot lately, guys. So if you can't tell, this feels close to my heart right now. Um, anything else, Shahar, before we close? No, no, sorry. No, I think that was perfectly put. And in the end, like I said, give yourself this opportunity for next week. Do that, do that little bit of practice. Notice the differences, both in your thoughts and in your body, when you're in the victim mode and when you're in the hero mode, the victor mode. All you need to do is just notice and let that be your practice for this week. Keep it simple. Beautiful. Beautiful. And we ask ourselves that question, remember, from a non-accusatory way. So we don't say, are you right now? <laughs> not, not, not accusative, inquisitive. Yeah, curious. We want to be curious. Hmm, what mentality is this right now? <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for being here. So um, just to, so this was the end of this series. We'll still be back next week. We're always here on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll come to you with a new topic. If you're not on our email list, we always let you know what it is ahead of time and send you the replay after. Um, but we also keep a bunch of our replays on our podcast. So you can go check that out as well if you want to keep listening. And of course, if you're somebody who you feel like you want the handholding and you feel like you want to work with me and Shahar privately and individually, and, and it feels like this is you know your path and you feel like this is your time, you know, listen to your intuition, reach out to us. We're very receptive. We're happy to help you. We'll help you to make sure it's a good fit before you make the leap. You know, we really care about that. We want to make sure that you're making the right move for yourself. And um, we'll, of course, be honest with you. So don't be shy. Feel free to reach out if, if you do feel like working with us privately is the next best step for you. Um, we have a 10-week program, and we can tell you more about that, or you can go to my website and read about it before you reach out. But either way, know that you can. So uh, regardless, we'll see you guys next week on Thursday with our new topic. 
And thank you for your participation and being here. And um, you know, we're 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 grateful for you. Thank you for not judging my crazy hair that I show up with every week. Uh, <laughs> not one person has trolled me on that. I can't even believe it. So thank you guys for being so wonderful. Um, <laughs> you, should, you should ask yourself instead. Don't be accusative, just inquisitive. Why is my hair so crazy? Why is my morning? hair so crazy? Is it because I live in Florida? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we'll see you next week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.